0: Well, as that video indicates, people all around the world have very varying opinions of who is Jesus, really. And, and that's what we're going after in this series. We're looking at the I am statements that Jesus made, and we're going to be looking at these leading up to Easter when I'm going to talk about the statement, I am the resurrection and the life. That statement Jesus made. And on Easter, I'm going to be interviewing, as part of the service, the foremost leading historian on the resurrection of Jesus, who's debated atheists who then changed their minds because the historical facts are there. So be thinking about, who am I going to invite your skeptical friends? Invite them to come to Easter. It's not only going to hit the head, but the heart of all of us as well. But Jesus made claims that either put him in the camp of a delusional, psychotic, or, he was the long-awaited Messiah. The creator who revealed himself in a form that we could relate to. He was one or, or the other. And I think if you look at Jesus' impact on history, it points to the truth of what he claimed. And one of the things he claimed that we're going to look at today is, I am the true vine. He said, I am the true vine. And what's a vine? A vine is just a source of life and nourishment right, that then grows fruit. But what does that have to do with us? Well, you know, I, I, I think uh, playing the what-if game can help us get at that, all right? Sometimes I find playing the what-if game helps me get at what do I really want, all right? So let, let's play the what-if game. Just do this in your mind. What if you had your dream job? I mean, it was everything you could ever wish for in a job, all right? But at the cost of peace. You still didn't have peace. I mean, would, would that be enough? Which would you want? A dream job or, or peace? I mean, at the end of the day, I think you'd probably choose peace, right? Or, or think about it this way. What, what if you found Mr. or Mrs. Wright, you got married, uh, and yet as the years went by, you still didn't feel loved or content, even though that person was still wonderful and truly was wonderful. And that happens. Is it okay to just get married? Or do you actually want love and contentment? Or what if you had all the money in the world? All, you know, jackpot, you know, lotto winner, uh, but you had no joy. Would, would that be enough to have everything but no joy, you know? Which would you choose? Millions and millions of dollars and, and, and big houses and tropical vacations and, you know, boats and cars or joy? Some of you look confused. Do I need to rephrase that? See, joy is, is like happiness, deep happiness, no matter what happens, despite the circumstances. And my guess is, in reality, we would choose joy because if we don't have love and peace and joy, nothing is good enough, is it? We're always searching for more. See, which tells us what we really want are inner quality things, Love and joy and peace and patience, things that no external circumstances can give to us. And that is what we're gonna talk about today because ironically, many times, thinking external things can get it and the pursuit of that actually chokes out the development of the inner life that gives us what we really want. So Jesus says in John chapter 15, I am the vine, the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so it can be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you, so remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine, so neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I want to give you a little context to this. We're going to be camped out in John 15 and 16 today. By the way, we're encouraging you to read the book of John leading up to Easter or watch it. The the gospel of John is is lived out, uh, and we we talked about that a few weeks ago. You watch it on YouTube. But what's going on here context-wise is this is the night before Jesus' crucifixion. They just had the Last Supper uh, in Jerusalem up on Mount Zion. Okay, it's a high point in, in the city and they're gonna go down to the to, uh, right below the Mount of Olives there, which is where Gethsemane is. But to do that, they had to walk down through the Kidron Valley. It was this valley in between and that's where all the vineyards were. And I think that's when Jesus says this. Either he points to or he picks up a branch maybe and he says, I am the true vine. Why the true vine? Well, remember again, a vine is a source of life and nourishment that then causes the grapes to grow. But there was a deeper meaning for the Jewish people back then. right? Because all throughout the Old Testament prophets, Israel had been called the vine of God or the vineyard of God. And and this is all throughout that God intended Israel to be this source of life that would show the goodness of God to all the nations. But Israel kept turning away from God. kept kept falling into the worship of of idols, idols that promised love or fertility or safety or success and yet led the people again and again to destruction. And by the way, an idol is not just a wooden carving. An idol is anything that we put at the very center of our lives, what we end up loving and, and serving and living for. You know, it's like the famous words of, Songwriter Bob Dylan, you got to serve somebody or something. We all do. You know, we all live for or work for something. So the truth is we may have an idol that's money. And, and, and you know it because if it comes down to God's will or more money, you choose more money every time. Or maybe we have a, an idol that is a relationship. And you know it because if it comes down to God's will or that person's will, you choose that person's will every time. Maybe you are the idol. If it comes down to God's will or your will, you always go with your will. Or maybe it's success, you know? And and if it comes down to God's will or getting ahead, you do whatever it takes to get ahead. See, idols are in every society. But at the root of it all, to God, idolatry is adultery, it's unfaithfulness. Because what God wants is our love, our trust, our, our faithfulness. God created us for a love relationship. And it's not that he needs it, it's what we need most. Because out of that loving connection flows the life that produces the good fruit of love and joy and peace, the things we want. But from the inside out. And that's why God says this in the Old Testament. Through the the prophet Jeremiah, he says to Israel, in Jeremiah 2, this is what the Lord says, I remember the devotion of your youth. How as a bride you loved me and followed me. What fault did your ancestors find in me that they strayed so far from me? They followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. You said, I will not serve you. Indeed, on every high hill and under every spreading tree you lay down as a prostitute. He's talking about how they would set up idols at every high hill, okay? And, and, and it felt like adultery to God because of his deep love for us. And then he says this, I had planted you like a choice vine. See, Israel was meant to be this choice vine of sound stock and reliable stock. How then did you turn against me into a corrupt wild vine? See, so when Jesus says, I am the true vine, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener, and he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. When Jesus says that, he's saying, I am the source of everything you long for, of love and of joy and of peace. And where Israel failed to to show that to the nations, to connect people to the, the source of what they wanted, Jesus says, I've come as the true source. And you see this throughout the Old Testament. These parallels where, where, where Israel was intended to be, for instance, a, a vine and a servant, a servant to lead the nations back to God, Jesus becomes the true servant. So, so look, in Isaiah chapter 49, you see the shift here. So God said to me, you are my servant Israel, in whom I will display my splendor for the sake of the nations. But then I, Israel, have labored in vain. Israel turned away. It was was in vain. But the Lord now says, he who formed me, now he's talking about Messiah, in the womb to be his servant. How do we know he's talking about Messiah? Here's how. God says to him, it's too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel. So Israel was the failed servant. Jesus is gonna bring them back. I will also make you a light to the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. See, Messiah would not only rescue Israel, the failed servant, Messiah would rescue those all across the earth, the true servant, the true vine for all nations. And think about that. This is written down. This was written 800 years before Jesus ever came. And yet Jesus today has brought salvation to the ends of the earth where Israel failed as the, the vine and the servant, Jesus was the true vine, the true servant to reconnect people to the source. And that's why Jesus says, my, my father is the gardener who cuts off every branch that doesn't bear fruit. When, when he's saying this, what Jesus is referring to are those in Israel who looked religious on the outside, but there was no spiritual life flowing through them. They were dead on the inside. And remember, remember, this is the very night where Judas has now left to go betray him. All the disciples thought he's one of us, but there was no life of God in him. And he's going to the Pharisees, the religious leaders of his day, who, not all of them, some actually followed Jesus, but some of them wanted to kill Jesus, right? And Jesus said it's because you are spiritually dead inside. You're just. You know, and they claimed they were following God, but Jesus claimed they were using God to serve their idols of greed and, and corruption and fame and fortune. So what makes a, a branch dead? Well, just in real life, if the life and source of the tree trunk isn't flowing through it, it's gonna die, right? But spiritually, what what makes a branch dead? What makes Us dead, spiritually, is a lack of connection to God. It's it's really that simple. And that is simply a choice. In other words, the only way to be a dead branch, to be dead spiritually, is to reject the source, to push God out of your life. That's all. But conversely, to let God in is to connect. And, And then Jesus says, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And then right after saying this, Jesus turns to the 11 disciples who are still left. Judas is already gone. And he says to them, you're already clean. And the word is literally pruned. And and, and he says, because of the words I've spoken to you. What does that mean? It means it wasn't because of anything they did. It was because of what Jesus had told them and they had trusted in what he had told them. And they're clean. And that's true of of you and me as well. You know, they would still make mistakes. Peter, that very night, would deny Jesus just like Judas did. What's the difference? Peter had believed what Jesus said about being the Messiah of God, he had trusted in him so he was right with God, the source. Doesn't mean we won't make mistakes, but it first is about a relationship with God. Do we want God in our lives? And then notice though, God prunes those he loves. Why? So they'll be even more fruitful. Well, fruitful in what way? What does that mean? Well, we got to look at passages that talk about fruit to understand. So in Galatians 5:22 passage we look at a lot, but the fruit of the Spirit of God is love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness And self control. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. You hear it? There it is. Love and joy. See, these inner qualities, we're dying to to meet with all these external things that will never get it for us. Because how did they come? Connection to the Source. They come from the Spirit of God. Spiritual qualities come from staying connected to the Spiritual Source, living in step with the Spirit of God. Or as Jesus will say in John fifteen five, I am the vine, you're the branches, remain in me. That means literally remain connected to me and I in you, and you will bear much fruit. You don't have to try hard to. And then he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing, seriously? I mean, let's, let's test that for a second because I mean, I know a lot of people who don't follow God could give couldn't give a rip about God and yet they've built big organizations or they've done a lot of good they've they've healed diseases they've launched nonprofits they love their families what is Jesus talking about apart from me you can do nothing well it has to do with the very pur- purpose that your creator created you for See, God didn't create you primarily to be productive, to work for him. He didn't create robots to do his work. He wants you to work with him. That's good, but that's not primarily why he created you. And God didn't primarily create you to be good. He wants you to be good because when you are, you're in line with the very nature and quality of God who is good. But what God primarily created you for is to be his kid, his child, who would grow up into this deep intimacy with the one who created you for love that can only be, you know, there's only an an analogy of bride to groom that can liken the deep love God has for you and wants you to experience. So think about it. If you do all the good in the world, but reject and are spiritually dead to the very source of all good, what good is that eternally? that's what jesus means in mark's 8:36 when he says what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul you were created for a love relationship with god first that can be secure and then as you stay letting that life and love of god flow through you just like the life flows through a branch you will naturally start to see fruit grow good deeds Motivated out of love and joy and peace that comes from God, not others and other circumstances. See, that's the exact opposite of trying to do good to prove you're worthy of God's love. That's like a branch trying to grow fruit disconnected from the vine in order to prove they're worthy of being connected from the vine. It's backwards. It'll never work. Same thing. And that's why Jesus says, A little later in John 15, 9, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain, stay connected to my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be complete. Joy. There it is again. And, and, and see, he's talking about not a joy that we can get just happiness from circumstances. This is God's joy flowing through us. And, and the word is teleos, complete, overflowing, filling us up. But how do we do this practically? Well, first, you learn to stay connected to God's love daily. Throughout the day, you stay connected to God's love Here's here's what I want you to remember. Love is the point of it all. See, that's, that's the motivation for everything God does or says. God loves you more than you can imagine, more than anybody else does. And God actually wants you to live connected to that love. That's what Jesus came to show. That's why that very night Jesus says, my command is this, John 15, 12, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You know what Jesus is going to do the next day? Lay down his life willingly for you. Has anybody ever laid down their life for you? Ever loved you that much? And yet what what Jesus is saying is that he proved how great God's love is for you in a way that only humans can understand the greatest sacrifice. And he did it willingly. And he did it for you. Not just everybody, for you, personally. So stay connected to the source of all love. God wants you to go through life knowing you are unconditionally, ridiculously loved by God. Right now as is. Before you do or change anything else, you are crazy loved by God. Why? Because he made you. And he made you for himself. That's the only reason. And you don't have to, you don't have to change anything to be his. Again, it's a choice. You let him in. You, you accept his forgiveness for turning away, his love demonstrated in Christ. And you're God's child forever. But then he wants you to live out of that, the reality of that love, connected to the source of love. So he wants you to go through each day like that. But then second, don't believe lies that tell you otherwise, right? So don't believe lies of ungodly people who, you know, who, who told you you're not worthy of love Don't don't believe what people have have done to you that convinced you that God doesn't love you. These these are lies from the evil one to keep you disconnected from the source. Don't believe them. And let me just say, if you feel unworthy of love, hey, welcome to the human race. (laughs) We're all unworthy. We're unworthy of God's love. You know, I mean, it's not about us. It's not about you or me or what we've done. It's about how, great and loving God is and so you got to start trusting the source not all these other sources and then act on the truth of what God says about his love for you and watch how that starts to grow fruit in your life and let me say also honestly if you struggle to believe that you're loved that's why God gave us the church the church is called his new family And he he did that because he wants to work through us to physically demonstrate and change our minds about how loved we are. Look, that's why John says to the church in 1 John chapter four, this is another book that John wrote. Dear friends, since God loved us so much, and he's talking about to do what Jesus did for us, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us And his love is brought to full expression in us. See, you know, friends, that's what we're trying to do in our community groups and in our life groups. If you struggle to really experience the love of God, get connected in a group around here. That's our primary goal. First and foremost, to help each other know that we're loved and and learn to love each other better so that we love the world better. And and you know what? Our world needs that right now, right? Right? More than ever. I mean, I was reading this week about how violence against Asian Americans has gone up 150%. And I have Asian friends who, they're worried for their their children. They're worried right now. And, And here's the thing, you know, everything these days gets politicized. But when there's violence done against humanity, that's evil. That's something against God's will. It doesn't matter what politics does. We stand with God. If you're a Christ follower. And against those things, against violence against Asians, violence against blacks or against women or against third trimester white babies. It doesn't matter. It's not about politics. It's first about what's God's heart for people, all people. And and here's the thing. Politics can make laws, all right? And that's good. It's not bad because laws curb evil. Here's the problem. Laws can't overcome evil in a human heart. And it's the human heart that is the real problem. And that's, friends, why we want to get you connected in groups around here. You will not really change isolated and alone. It's not God's way. See, God is healing what's wrong with humanity with us together as we live out his love. And you know what's so cool? That is what's happening here. I mean, we have community groups and life groups with people of every ethnic background, different ages, different socioeconomic backgrounds, and yet learning how to love one another and pray for one another and help one another spread that to the world. It's it's what we say, love everyone life by life. That overcomes evil. You know, um, two people I just love here, good friends, Bill and Gene Aguayo, um, it was when the evil of, of, the, uh, of 9-11 happened that Bill realized there's something wrong with humanity. And it led him to come to Gateway and, and, and Bill came to faith in Christ and I baptized him and, and he got into a men's community group and, and he's growing and they're learning this new way of love. And um, the only thing is Bill had a neighbor he hated. He hated his neighbor for good reason, he thought. You know, because his neighbor was a drunk and and he was mean and abusive to his kids and to his wife and Bill knew it and he hated him. Now, in this men's community group, we happen to be doing uh, Soul Revolution and this experiment, it's a book I wrote about staying connected. It's about the very thing we're talking about and how to stay connected to God's spirit and stay connected to his love. And... um, one day during this experiment, Bill is out mowing his yard and he has a thought, I should take a meal to my neighbor. And his next thought was, no way, I hate him. <laughs> and he, but he brought that to his group to process it with him. And they prayed for him. And, and they talked about, you know, acting in love to God, not to the neighbor, to God. And so that week, Bill and Gene decided to do it act in love to God, and they brought in a meal to their neighbor, it changed everything. They actually started to become friends with their neighbors. Their neighbors started experiencing the love of God through Bill and Jean. They started coming to our church. They came to faith in Christ. This mean, abusive drunk gets in recovery, then goes through anger management, and I will never forget, out at the pool out there, watching Bill baptize his neighbor he hated, and as the neighbor comes up out of the water, the two men hug. That's the spirit of God that overcomes evil in the world by, over, by growing fruit in our hearts. It only comes from the source. It doesn't come from anything out there. And friends, God will, will lead you. Sometimes, you know, to follow God's spirit, to, to humble yourself, to do something that, that maybe you don't really want to do, you know, something that's, that's hard for you to do. And that's why Jesus then says, we stay connected by keeping his commands. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love. So you walk through the day in his love. You do things out of love for him, but you, you stay in, in step with the spirit, the true vine, by doing what he says. Now, That means we got to know what he says. And God has given us the Bible to reveal his character and his will. And he's given us the Holy Spirit to remind us of that. So you need to know what his character and his will are as revealed in the Bible. God has superintended the writing of the Scriptures so that we can know that. And the word of God and, and, and the spirit of God work together. Let me give you an example. You know, as a Christ follower, even as a Christ follower for many years, I lived a very burdened life. Part of it is the way I grew up. You know, I grew up feeling like, you know, I'm supposed to be responsible for everyone and everything. And so I could never work hard enough. When I worked in the marketplace as an engineer, I could never work hard enough to please my boss, which is always true, right? You know, and and I always felt like I'm responsible to take care of my mom and my sister because my dad on his deathbed said, take care of your mom and your sister. Only problem was I was trying to be responsible for things that they're responsible for alone. I can't be responsible for something God's given them responsibility for. And it was overburdening me. And sometimes I would cry out, God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you putting all these burdens on me? And it's because I didn't know God. I didn't know God's will. And one day I'm studying the scriptures and this passage leaps out to me where Jesus says in in Matthew chapter 11, come to me all you who are burdened and weary. I happen to be feeling that way. I was like, oh, he's talking to me. (laughs) But then he says this, learn from me. Take my yoke on you, my burden, because it's light, it's manageable. Learn from me and I'll give you rest for your weary souls. I was like, whoa, you mean it's not God putting the burden on me? And what I started to realize is through God's word and then God's spirit, whenever I'd start to feel overburdened, then I had to say, okay, wait a second. You're not putting this burden on me, are you? Your way is light and manageable. So Holy Spirit, help me know the next right thing to do and then help me trust you with all the rest. And I started to practice that, act on it. And you know what? The fruit of peace grew in me. And and not only that, I actually found I was more productive because I did more of the right things rather than just staying crazy and frantic and busy. But that's also why we must not only walk daily remembering and staying connected to his love and trying to experience that love in line with, with, with God's word, keeping his commands, but then radically responding to God's spirit when he prompts That last night in the Kidron Valley, Jesus explained this in John 16. Unless I go away, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you and he, the Spirit of truth. When he comes, he'll guide you into all truth. He will glorify me because it's from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. Now, here Jesus is referring to Father, Son, and Spirit. Only one God revealed in three persons and i know some of you that it's like that sounds like a paradox that sounds crazy here's what i want you to remember there are lots of paradoxes i don't understand how light can be both mass and pure energy both a particle and a wave at the same time that's a paradox guess what i still use the lights and you and and here's the thing many of these paradoxes of science i'm pretty sure resolve at higher dimensions than our limited four dimensions of time and space. And I think it's the same with the Spirit, with who God is. Father, Son, and Spirit revealed in three persons, but only one God, I think resolves in higher dimensionality. But here's the thing, you don't have to understand everything to practice walking by the Spirit and seeing the fruit of God's Spirit grow. And Jesus promises God's Spirit is living in you If you have accepted him as Lord. Now, how does he do that? Well, he puts his thoughts in your thoughts. Now, you've got to learn how to discern the Spirit's promptings. And the only way I found is to radically respond in faith. When you respond, then you see. When you obey his commands, then you remain in his love. And let me just say if you're not experiencing, all the love and the joy and the peace you want to do a 60 day experiment. And we call it the 60, 60 experiment every 60 minutes for 60 days. You're just trying to put a new habit in place. So for 60 days, focus on one thing and one thing only just trying to stay as connected to God's love, radically responding to what you think his spirit wants you to do in line with his word and see what happens? And, and here's, here's, here's why this is important. We all grow up in a world that goes away from God naturally. My mom and dad didn't have to teach me how to ignore God most of my day. It just came naturally to me. And doesn't it to you too? That's the world we grow up in. So we need to develop new habits so that we let the life in, of the source flow through us. So the 60-60 experiment is just putting hourly reminders in your day for 60 days to change your habit. Instead of ignoring God throughout the day, you start to remember, oh, you're with me, and you love me, and and meditate on that love, and that you actually want to help guide me in my workday, with my family, with whatever I'm going through. And, And then you pay attention to thoughts that may be in line with what God wants, and you act on them. So Put reminders, maybe it's a watch beeping or we have an app that'll do it every hour or maybe it's just putting sticky notes in your car mirror or on your computer. As a reminder, stay connected to the vine and fruit will grow naturally. Do it for 60 days and watch if you aren't enjoying the experience of something that's not external but internal coming up through you. You know, when you start to do this, first of all, you got to know something. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy, because sometimes what God's Spirit will lead you to do is humble yourself. So like you're in a fight with your spouse, and the Spirit will be saying, go first. And you're like, uh-uh, her fault. I'm not going first. And, and just like, like, like Bill had to push against that That sin nature we all have, it's like, no, I hate him. I don't want to take him a meal. Or like, I had to push against, you know, I'm feeling overburdened, and I think that's the way, you know, i got to work harder. And and the Spirit's saying, no, trust me more, right? And sometimes he'll lead you to apologize. Sometimes he'll lead you to say something encouraging when you don't want to. Sometimes to act selflessly when you don't want to act selflessly. But do it, respond in faith radically, and watch what happens. Watch how his love and life start to flow through you. And it's the adventure of a lifetime. Now, I remember another time that our church was doing the Soul Revolution sixty sixty experiment. And um, Daniel was a guy who he had come to faith in our church and, and had been baptized. Started to grow. But then he got sucked back into dealing drugs uh, with his brothers. And he got arrested. And he had been incarcerated for four years at this point. I had stayed in touch with him. And one night during the soul revolution experiment, I dream of Daniel and the dream wakes me up I go back to sleep. Well, the next day I, I, you know, I get to the office, I sit down, there's a big pile of mail and I'm thinking I should do that mail. And I thought, no, I, I don't have time to do that mail. And I, and I start to work on other stuff. And then I glance over again and I notice the top envelope has the name Daniel on it. And I pick it up and it's from Daniel. So realizing maybe the Holy Spirit's trying to get my attention, I I, I read Daniel's letter. Turns out that um, there was an inmate who had been like a spiritual mentor to him. They had studied the Bible together. They had been praying. And that inmate had just been transferred. And and now Daniel was struggling. He felt abandoned by God. And so I I felt prompted. I'm going to write Daniel a note of encouragement. So I started to write how God woke me up that night thinking about him and how much he loved him. And, and then I had another thought. Send Daniel the Soul Revolution book and get him to do the experiment with us as we're doing it. Well, do you know Daniel didn't just do that? He got like 15 or 20 inmates to do the experiment with him. You know, so not only do we have our five Austin campuses and a Branson campus, we had a state Penn campus as well, temporarily. <laughs> but listen to what Daniel then wrote me. He said, I, res- I received your letter and book. Maybe by the time I see you, God will give me the words to adequately describe my feelings. I can just say, salute, and wow. I've begun the 60-60 experiment and it stirred emotions and given me hope that God is truly with me even here in prison. I started to cry out to God before I got your book. When I got it, I knew he was answering me. It's like God loved me so much, he woke you up in the middle of the night to share his love with me. Isn't that great? Friends, God loves you that much. Stay connected to his love. Don't make him wake me up for all of you. it will be a lot of bad nights, okay? Just stay connected. You know, practice this. Try it. 60 days. Staying connected each day to his love listening to the thoughts that prompt you in line with what he says in in, in his word. Be reading the book of John with us up to Easter and then radically respond to what you think he wants you to do and watch if the fruit of his spirit doesn't grow within you. Well, I want to invite you to do something uh, as we close and don't close your laptop yet or turn the TV off and here in the room, don't disconnect yet. I've asked the band to lead us in a song. You know, We sing with our hearts to God. You don't have to have a great voice to to connect your heart to God in song. And and I want to encourage you to let this song be a prayer to God, okay? A declaration to God, I want to live connected to you. So let's pray that together as we sing these words.